the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, a podcast by the fan for the fan. everybody it's been a minute it's been a minute it's been a minute since we've recorded a full-length phenomenal fan podcast because as you guys well know i am a baseball guy through and through and we will talk a little bit of baseball here but we usually share the in-depth baseball analysis for between the stitches our baseball only show part of the phenomenal fan media group if you haven't checked out our between the stitches podcast be sure to do that but today we're going to be talking about some other stuff that's not baseball related in regards to a little bit of nba a little bit of college basketball because it's over a little bit of nfl and then we'll mix in a little bit of baseball because this is an this is an entire sports show but baseball season is upon us, and the main baseball focus comes from our Between the Stitches baseball-only show. That being said, we're going to dive into a few topics today, and we're not going to chomp your guys' ear off too much. We're going to give our insight and breakdown perspective on a, a couple of different topics outside of baseball, but in the sports world. Okay, so today, Monday, April 10th, 2023, handful of items on the sporting agenda that have caught the attention of the world of sports, basically, right? Uh, I'd say one of the bigger ones that sort of unfolded over the weekend and is more recent than others is the incident with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the players on their bench, and there was like a scrap. There was a, a little altercation between Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson. Rudy Gobert basically like punched one of his teammates, not in the face, just like a body shot, <laughs> punched him. And they just seem to be having a disagreement on the bench. And Rudy Gobert punches one of his teammates. Okay. Now, a couple of reasons why this is a, a bigger deal than maybe it normally should be. Right, Because altercations and words being exchanged between teammates and disagreements, that type of stuff happens between teammates all the time. All the time. It escalated in this situation with Rudy Gobert where he felt like he needed to physically do something about it to one of his teammates. That's number one in a situation where that, that's where it takes it to a little bit higher level for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's something you don't see as often as just the the words being exchanged between teammates in a disagreement. Rudy Gobert taking it a step further. That's that's always going to make headlines. But I think the bigger story is the way it's being reported and the fact that it is being reported at such a monumental level to begin with. Okay? Tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski, the, the, the biggest NBA reporter in the sport. And he sends out a tweet saying... Uh, Rudy Gobert escalated a verbal argument to a physical encounter, told him to shut the F up, bitch. The disagreement started with Anderson telling Gobert to block some shots. Gobert told him to grab a rebound and ended with punching Gobert with a punch and Gobert getting sent home. 
when I read this tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski on the Rudy Gobert Kyle Anderson altercation, it looks like to me it the fashion in which this is being reported by Adrian Wojnarowski and the fact that all these details and everything are being like put out like this, it's it it. It gives me the same vibes if there was, like, a reporter at a high school who was, like, tweeting out high school drama uh, with, like, an altercation between two girls talking to each other. It's giving off crazy high school drama vibes. That's what I'm getting from this situation. Not just the way it unfolded, but also the way it's being reported. So embarrassing. So weird. Like, the NBA playoffs are about to start. And this is the headlines from the league right now? Not just the headlines, but it's, like, being, like, major... Like, it's being reported by the biggest reporter in the NBA? Like this? Really just, like, tough, tough, tough look from the NBA. Tough look from Woj and from the NBA. Tough. Right? I mean... It's weird. Weird. Also, also, the fact that it's being covered so much from a team and a reporter like Adrian Wojnarowski, it, it's being like, covered so heavily about a couple of guys and a team specifically that are borderline just like completely irrelevant i mean let's be honest here physical altercation is not ideal but also nobody cares nobody cares about this why is this like being reported consistently and repeatedly over and over and over it's so weird No one cares. Nobody. Listen. An altercation between two guys on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson. It escalated from verbal altercation to physical altercation. It turns out Gobert is going to be suspended one game from the league. That's all you need to know. That's it. The fact that it's been tweeted about by Woj like 12 different times. It's weird. It's really weird. No one cares. It's like he's reporting on it. It's like a, it's coming out like it's high school BS gossip about a team that no one really cares about that will end up being irrelevant between two guys who not a lot of people care about who will end up being irrelevant. No disrespect to Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson, NBA players, incredible athletes. But why is it being reported like this right before the playoffs and getting so much attention? If anything, if I was the league, I'd be like, Woj, dude, stop tweeting about it. Stop. It's it's not good to be, like, making this such a big deal. What are we doing? Weird, man. Really weird. Really, really weird. Uh, on top of that, man, and again, continuing on the topic of the NBA, all right? The NBA playoffs are upon us, and the current situation in the NBA and the standings, it is 
nightmare scenario for the NBA. Looking through the standings in the NBA as we enter the playoffs, okay? It's that time of year the NBA playoffs are starting. The the current NBA playoff scenario, if it unfolds the way the standings look, it is a nightmare scenario for the NBA. Nightmare. They are they are the league is in shambles right now because of where the standings sit in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference. You got a team from Denver in the one seed, a team from Memphis in the two seed, and a team from Sacramento in the three seed. If everything goes chalk in the Western Conference and it's the Nuggets and the Grizzlies in the Western Conference, I'd be okay with that because those are the two best teams according to the standings. But you know the NBA is shaking right now at the thought of having a team from Denver and a team from Memphis potentially representing who who goes out of the Western Conference into the NBA Finals. They're shaking right now. It is nightmare fuel for the league office and for the NBA and for the commissioner. It's it's a nightmare. And then even going over to the Eastern Conference, I mean, the Bucs are in first in the Eastern Conference. So if, if it ends up being Bucks, Nuggets in the NBA Finals, the NBA will be drowning. Nightmare situation for them. But then you go down the Eastern Conference standings, Celtics in second, 76ers in third. And then you go down the Western Conference standings, Suns in fourth maybe, but also Warriors in sixth, Lakers in seventh. In the Western Conference, it goes Nuggets first, Grizzlies second, Kings third, Suns fourth, Clippers fifth, Warriors sixth, Lakers in seventh. I I want to make sure that this is marked down before the NBA playoffs start so that everybody knows how much just so so everybody knows. And I'm going to mark this down right before the playoffs start just to have it documented. I promise you, I promise, I promise you this is exactly what's going to happen. First of all, the Warriors as the sixth seed, they will absolutely be in the Western Conference Finals. The Warriors will absolutely be in the Western Conference. I guarantee it. I guarantee the Warriors will be in the Western Conference Finals. And that's not because I think they're like way better than the rest of the teams. Clearly, they're not. They're a six seed. But if they end up having to play a two seed or a one seed in the Western Conference at some point in the postseason, they will beat them and they will go to the Western Conference Finals. I promise you. Number two, the Lakers are now in the play-in tournament as a seven seed. They absolutely unequivocally will get out of the Western Conference play-in and will probably also find themselves making a deep postseason run, if not also in the Western Conference Finals. On top of that, if it ends up being in the Western Conference Finals, Warriors and Lakers, a six seed in this, I wouldn't be shocked even a smidgen. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think everybody in the back of their head knows where this NBA playoffs is going to go. You got the Warriors as the sixth seed, the Lakers as the seventh seed. In the Eastern Conference, you got Celtics at two, the 76ers at three, the Knicks at five, the Nets at six. I think I think everybody knows where this NBA playoffs is going to go. Out of the Western Conference, you're going to have the Clippers. No, not even. I'll say it like this. 
out of the Western Conference, the, the Suns are fourth, the Warriors are sixth, the Lakers are seventh. And those are the only three teams that will be in the NBA Finals. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Phoenix, the Warriors, or LeBron and the Lakers. Nobody else in the Western Conference has a shot to get into the NBA Finals. Oh, but the Nuggets are 53-29. and 29. They're loaded. Jokic, Murray. It doesn't matter. The NBA will do everything in its power to make sure none of the top three teams in the Western Conference get into the NBA Finals. It's a nightmare for the NBA if the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, or the Kings get in the NBA Finals. It's a nightmare scenario for them. And out of the Eastern Conference, the Bucks are the one seed. They got Giannis. They got a ton of talent on their roster. They will not be in the NBA Finals. They will not be in the NBA Finals. The Celtics are the two seed, and they're a good team. 76ers are the three seed, and they're also a very good team. It will be the Celtics or the 76ers out of the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, and out of the Western Conference, it will be the Suns, the Warriors, or the Lakers. Those are the only five teams you'll see in the NBA Finals. The rest of these teams have no shot, and that's not because all those other teams I listed are just the best five. It's because that's how the NBA works. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked since 2012. Since LeBron joined the Miami Heat, there's always a big market primetime superstar player and team in the NBA Finals. Always. Like, for example, the Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers with a bunch of scrappy nobodies on their roster as a four seed. And the Sacramento Kings, the three seed. Very realistic uh, uh, possibility. It's a very realistic possibility that a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers with a bunch of medium-tier guys but a really solid team as a four seed in the Eastern Conference and the Sacramento Kings, a three seed in the Western Conference. Very realistic opportunity that both of those teams can end up matching up in the NBA Finals, theoretically. But I, I would bet... If somebody came up to me and said, what's one NBA Finals matchup between an Eastern Conference and Western Conference team that you would, could guarantee would not happen? And I would say Cavaliers and Kings. I, I, I don't know what the payout would be on the odds, but if somebody said you had to stake your life, your life on an NBA Finals matchup that you could guarantee would not happen. And if it does happen... Your life is on the line. I would guarantee you it won't be Cavs and Kings. Theoretically, a four seed and a three seed matching up in the NBA Finals, very realistic possibility that that could unfold, but it absolutely will not happen. The NBA won't allow it. They just won't allow it. It won't happen. It's so predictable in the NBA. It's so easy to tell right away exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be the Suns, Warriors, or Lakers out of the Western Conference, and it'll be the Celtics or the 76ers out of the Eastern Conference. That's it. There's other teams that are in the playoff mix that are probably better than those five teams I just listed, but those other teams don't have a chance. The NBA won't give them a chance. It would be a nightmare for the NBA if the Memphis Grizzlies got in the NBA Finals or the Sacramento Kings. It would be a nightmare. The Bucks, maybe, right, with Giannis, the Nuggets, maybe with Jokic and Murray, they got a good roster. Both those teams have good rosters. But the NBA will do everything they possibly can 
to get teams from LA, Golden State, Phoenix potentially, or big market Eastern Conference teams like the 76ers and the Celtics. They will do everything they can to get those teams in the NBA Finals. Just is what it is. And then in two months from now, we're going to be sitting there in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. Like, oh, wow. It's the Suns and the Warriors facing off for a shot to the NBA Finals. And Eastern Con- oh, wow. It's the Celtics and the 76ers facing off chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals or to the NBA Finals. Stupid, man. Really, really dumb. And it's it's not the end of the world, but it's also just the nature of what it's going to be. It's just that's what it is, man. Sorry. Sorry if you root for another team, but I'm telling you that's how the NBA works. Okay? Uh, moving on here. Okay. Uh, we're going to get off the NBA because the playoffs have started, but or about to start, but it's not the uh, – nothing has really unfolded as of yet, right? couple different newsworthy pieces coming out of the NFL. Number one, Odell Beckham Jr. signs with the Baltimore Ravens, gives Lamar Jackson an offensive weapon to utilize. OBJ to the Ravens. And apparently this is like big news. I mean, I know every NBA or I, I know uh I know most NFL free agency signings get reported, but this whole OBJ saga was reported on like he's the type of guy to go to a team and just like transform the outcome of the entire team when he's there. I I I'll be honest with you. Uh Odell Beckham Jr might be like wildly overrated. I don't know why the coverage on Odell Beckham Jr. and his free agency saga was covered like he was some guy that transcends the NFL. He's not a bad guy. Two or three on most NFL rosters. And he's getting treated like he's Calvin Johnson 2.0. Like he's Jerry Rice. Like he's Randy Moss. He's none of those guys. And he's not even close to the tier. None of those guys. Again, he's a great player. Super talented. But he gets hurt a lot. His numbers aren't that amazing. He's pretty inconsistent. And the last time he played was two years ago. Oh, but he was on the Rams, and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he played eight games for the Rams, and he averaged 38 receiving yards a game. That's not great. That's a wide receiver two or three, but that's not superstar talent level that he gets treated like. And yeah, you know, I ha- I know he was on Cleveland when they, they didn't really have a, a great quarterback option to get him the football. But after... After his, after 2018, he hasn't averaged more than 65 receiving yards a game.
He's averaging like five touchdowns a year since 2018. Five touchdowns a year? That's wide receiver two or wide receiver three material. But for some reason, he signs with the Baltimore Ravens, and it's like this NFL newsworthy that just transformed the Baltimore Ravens organization by signing with them. And by the way, for $15 million, I wouldn't have given that guy more than $8 million bucks max. He's 30 years old. He's a wide receiver, too. Most guys that profile in that situation are getting about $8 million bucks. For some reason, OBJ, because he made an over-the-shoulder catch, <clears throat> or because he made arguably the greatest catch in the history of the NFL, no, no disputing that, because of that and his early success in his career, He's getting treated like he just he he's a god. OBJ has played. Uh, OBJ's played. Let's see, eight years in the league, fourteen. Yeah. OBJ's played eight years in the league. He's played a full season or sixteen games before they expanded their schedule. He's played a full season twice, twice in eight years. Again, he's not a horrible player. He's productive. But why does Odell Beckham Jr. get treated like he is he is the answer to every team's offensive problems? He's not. He's a wide receiver, too, right now. And until he proves me otherwise, I'm going to continue to treat him like that. And when my fantasy draft comes around, or when the NFL season starts this year, and they're like, oh, well, the Ravens, you know, they're 2-2. Two and two. I thought OBJ was going to help them out a ton. Like I'm not sold. He's he's a he's a he's a medium to low level factor for me. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Wildly massive overpay for the Ravens. Massively overpaid. Again, I don't hate him, but he's just just not that great anymore. He was pretty good early in his career. And then now he's not. Uh, also in the NFL, the NFL draft is coming up um, April 27th. So about a little over two weeks away, the NFL draft. And most people are projecting a combination of CJ Stroud and Bryce Young going one and two in the NFL draft. And a lot of people are projecting potentially that the Cardinals with the third pick are going to trade that pick away. Potentially with a team like Indianapolis, who's right behind them. And that being said, you know, there's, there's two or three quarterbacks, I think, that are projected here to go in the top five, which would be really interesting. And then after that, it's kind of a drop-off. I don't really understand the whole hype with Anthony Richardson, okay? For some reason, Anthony Richardson coming into the NFL draft has, like, more hype than a guy like Bryce Young because, physically speaking, his body metrics are better than Bryce Young's in a lot of categories. He's taller. He jumps higher. He probably throws the ball a little bit harder. He runs a little bit faster. And NFL scouts are like, oh, this guy's a this guy's a top five pick. Despite the fact that his numbers, 
in the SEC in the same conference as Bryce Young's, his numbers as a quarterback at Florida in the same conference as Bryce Young are significantly worse than Bryce Young's numbers were. Significantly worse. Like, if it was based on just statistical performance in the same exact conference into the NFL draft and Bryce Young went second overall, then Anthony Richardson should be a third-round pick based on the numbers they put up. But Anthony Richardson physically projects as a linebacker, basically. I mean, Anthony Richardson is a is a physical specimen, but that doesn't translate to being a good quarterback. Clearly, you've seen it time and time again in the NFL. Now, of course, you need to be able to move. You need to be a good athlete. You need to be able to throw on the run. All things that Bryce Young can do and has proven he can do at a really high level. And for some reason, people are like, ah, that Houston, Bryce Young, but should they go with Richardson over? What are we talking about? C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young, I disagree with, but I can live with because C.J. Stroud had really good efficiency numbers and he was a really productive quarterback at Ohio State and won a ton of games. Anthony Richardson wasn't really that good. He was really solid, but Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud as quarterbacks are a, a couple of tiers above Anthony Richardson. And almost every mock draft I've seen has Anthony Richardson in that same tier with them, getting drafted right around them. Some guys think Richardson should go first over both C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And to me, that is crazy town. That is crazy town. I think Anthony Richardson, at best, should be a middle to late first round pick. People are like, he's, he's the best guy available. How? How could you say that? Just look at all three of the quarterbacks and their offensive production in college. And even more specifically, Bryce Young and Richardson in the same exact conference at the same exact time. And Bryce Young's numbers are like infinitely better. Anthony Richardson is productive and good and very physically talented. But the intangibles are so important at a position like quarterback. And that seems to just be like out the window and gone because Richardson put up crazy metrics at the combine. Who cares about the combine, especially for quarterbacks? I guess I, I know the NFL is a new league and quarterbacks need to be able to move. I get it. Bryce Young can move fine. CJ Stroud can move fine. And then the other intangibles, leadership, throwing on the run, decision-making, all of those are categories that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are infinitely better at than Anthony Richardson. And those are some metrics and those are some characteristics that are vitally important for a quarterback's success. Vitally important. And no disrespect, Anthony Richardson's really, really good. But like I said, he's a first-round pick for sure. It's just middle to late round guy. He's not He's not a number one, number two pick. So, like I said, I, I, I was going to keep it pretty short in this episode. Uh, we're not going to dive too much into the MLB, but we will look at the standings really quick and a few, a few things to notice. So, first of all, the Tampa Bay Rays have played nine games, and they haven't lost yet. They're 9-0. They got a plus 57 run differential. I mean, they're just dominating – uh, in every metric and every factor of every game. I mean, they just, like, dominate. The problem is the Rays haven't played anybody good, uh, but that doesn't, you know, necessarily matter uh, in some cases. In other cases, it, I mean, it's like they're not, they haven't played anybody good, but 
they beat the shit out of everybody they played. So it's like, okay, well, then they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And that's fine. I get it. Um, but as far as baseball goes, this this whole pitch clock situation, which we'll dive more into and talk about a little bit more on Between the Stitches, it's, it's – I've spent a ton, a ton, a ton of time talking about the pitch clock. I spent a ton of time talking about the pitch clock. A ton of time. A ton, a ton, a ton of time. I haven't stopped talking about it in a lot of ways. And I will continue to drive the point home. For those of you who tune into the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, all sports show as opposed to just the baseball-only show, and haven't heard my opinion or, or perspective on it yet, uh, the pitch clock is so bad. It's so bad for baseball. And a lot of people are like, ah, just get over it. It is whatever it is what it is. Uh, it's really bad for the game. And it's causing a lot of issues. And my hope, my only hope is that the uh, the pitch clock starts to create more and more issues so the players become more and more vocal about it. Because otherwise, Manfred is doesn't care. He doesn't care. And I, I, I everyone knows it. It's, it's a tough, it's, pitch clock at first came everyone's like oh just give it a chance and then it happened for a while and then there was a couple violations and people like me were like this is stupid why are we doing this and the other side was like well just you're overreacting like it's gonna be fine and then a little bit more time went on and more issues started to surface and more things started to umbrella effect kind of disrupt the game and people then on the other side were like well maybe we should tweak it and add some seconds on the pitch clock and the whole time I'm sitting here going, this is horrible. Get rid of it. And then more issues started to come about. And the other side's like, well, yeah, I don't know about how I feel about this. And then some of the players are like, I don't like it. And the whole time I've been sitting here going, this is stupid. Get rid of it. So I hope my point is I hope this this that trend of the other side kind of slowly and slowly learning how detrimental this is going to be for the game. And I hope it just continues in that trending direction so that people and players start to speak up even more about it and fight back against the league and be like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Why? No one asked for it. Nobody, nobody asked for it. So that's where I stand on it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, this episode of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, episode 58. We talked a little NFL. We talked a little NBA. We talked a little MLB. Uh, what else is there? Oh, uh, John Rom won the Masters. Congratulations to John Rom. He's a legend. Uh, excellent performance from him. Brooks Kepka choked it away. Not like bad. He just had the lead going into the fourth round. Didn't play well. John Rom played excellent all weekend long and won the Masters. Good for him. He deserved it. Uh, college basketball. UConn won in a pretty anticlimactic championship game. Good for teams like San Diego State, Miami, and Florida Atlantic for getting the Final Four. But ultimately, basketball sort of powerhouse if you will in UConn takes the NCAA men's national championship so now we got NBA playoffs now we've got the NFL draft and now we've got the meat of the baseball season upcoming here in the next week or two and weeks to come in April and so we'll see how it unfolds we'll see how it plays out so hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 58 of the phenomenal fan podcast be sure to check us out on social media twitter instagram TikTok, YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we greatly appreciate it. Be sure to check us out on those other channels. Uh, and otherwise, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. So uh, peace out. 
Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Want more? Follow us on social media and subscribe to Patreon for exclusive content.